0: Locked On, Locked On, Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome in to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan here on this Wednesday morning. Hope Hopefully, you're having a great Wednesday morning. The Hornets play tonight in Orlando at 7 o'clock p.m. The Orlando Magic sitting at 15 and 18. And the Hornets, of course, coming off of one of their toughest losses of the season. If you needed a recap on that or or just a way to kind of get out your frustrations about that, definitely listen to yesterday's show. It was a good one. Um, but I've got a conversation coming up with with Locked On Magic host Philip Rossman-Reich. And we not only talk about this matchup coming up tonight, but we also talk about team building. What it means to team build, how the Hornets have team built, how the Orlando Magic have built their team, how they're similar, how it's different. It was a really cool conversation with a guy that knows a ton about not only Orlando Magic basketball, but just NBA basketball in general. You'll really enjoy it. So without further ado, here is this crossover episode between Locked on Hornets and Locked on Magic. Take a listen,
0: and I'm joined now by Doug Branson of Locked On Hornets and Hive Talk Live. As uh, the season's winding its way into toward the midpoint, and the Magic taking on the Hornets on Wednesday, thought it was a good time to get together and chat with uh, with the division opponent. Doug, how, how are you doing today? I, I, I hope you're recovered from last night.
1: Uh, well, we're doing our best. We had a cathartic <laughs> uh, podcast session this morning, talk some things out, got our feelings out in the open. Uh, I don't know how the fans are doing, uh, but they're 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 struggling as well after that tough loss to uh, the Eastern Conference bottom feeding Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yeah, and, and Brooklyn seems to to pick off a few teams here and there. But, but we're not going we're not here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. We're here to talk about the Charlotte Hornets and, and the Orlando Magic. And you know, I think uh, you know. There's obviously a lot of really interesting ties between the two franchises uh, with with Steve Clifford and a lot of his staff coming from those those 9 finals teams. Uh, I've always been really impressed with what Charlotte does and 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 how they've developed their team uh, is this year. Like, do you feel like Charlotte's kind of flown under the radar this year or are they kind of still kind of scrambling and figuring out who they are?
1: Well, I think they know who they want to be, mm-hmm. and and the question is, can they get there? They want to be a team that is defined by defense, and they they are not a physically imposing team in terms of size or strength or really even athleticism, a lot of skill on this team, a lot of shooting and passing, but they still want to be a defensively physical team just in terms of effort. They just haven't had the ability to get there. Now, offensively, last season, we saw this team uh, shoot a ton of uh, three-point shots, something that uh, wasn't part of this franchise for for many years. But uh, suddenly, with the additions of Batum, Jeremy Lin last season, Courtney Lee helped with that as well, and then Kimball Walker's emergence, they became uh, identified by their three-point shooting. This season, that three-point shooting has been inconsistent but has been there for them at times Uh, but basically this team loves to get to the paint loves to get to the free throw line they don't turn the ball over a lot and uh, they want to be uh, in terms of defense they want to play team defense because again they don't have you know shot blockers or physically imposing defenders they want to play as a team that's that's what their identity is they just have been inconsistent in in achieving that at times
0: yeah, and it seemed like Charlotte was, was getting ready to, to. I mean, it's been a weird season, I think, for char for Charlotte. It, it seemed like they were getting ready to kind of zoom up into that upper echelon in the East, and and I think now they've kind of hit a little bit of of a rough pa- of a rough patch. Uh, I mean, is that is that characterization correct for how the Hornet season has gone so far?
1: Yeah, they started off really hot, got off to that uh, 8 and 3 start and then dropped uh, four straight uh, some brutal losses in there to New Orleans and then uh, Minnesota later on on at the beginning of December, both of those overtime losses, games that they absolutely should have won. And then they got things back on track. Uh, you know, they Steve Clifford does a great job of motivating these guys and and they have a lot of self-motivators on this team as well. So they get th- they reel off three straight and then they went through a tough stretch. That's what you have to know about the Hornets. They went through a tough schedule stretch where they went 33 days without two days rest. And we talked a lot about, about this on the show. That's, that's really tough because teams use that two days rest to get that, first of all, just to rest their bodies. But even more than that, that extra day of practice, when you, you know, we talked to Nick Batum and Marvin Williams about this, when you have a team that, that plays team defense where, where again, they don't have necessarily a, a defensive leader or, or a, you know an imposing shot blocker. When you play team defense, you need that extra day of practice to work out some of the kinks. And, and they finally got that and reeled off a couple more wins uh, but then uh, they've they've now struggled here against Brooklyn and they're back to again, not being uh, uh, physical on defense and not you know getting that first contact, keeping players out of the paint. Uh, Steve Clifford talked about mono mono defense. That's what this team needs to work on, keeping keeping their man in front of them. I mean, it's it's really simple stuff, but a lot of it has to do with effort and want to, and the Hornets are trying to figure that out right now.
0: Yeah, it sounds 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 very similar to what the Magic have gone through. I mean, they didn't go through 33 days like like the Hornets did, but they had a stretch where they played, I think, eight games in 12 days, and you could really see the defensive slippage, and that's even with Big shot blockers like Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biyombo. So I mean, it's it's difficult to maintain a high level of defense when you don't have the opportunity to kind of take a pause almost and 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 reset the battery uh, just just a little bit. Um, to me, though, like, and this is I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Uh, Charlotte is is such an interesting case with how how they've kind of built themselves up into. Into you know what I think is is a pretty surefire playoff team uh, in the Eastern Conference. They 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 you know tried bottoming out and, and didn't hit the lottery, and uh, they slowly kind of built themselves back up. They made the playoffs, they fell out of the playoffs, and they got back got back in, and, and now they seem to have a really solid core of players that is going to keep them relevant for for some time. Uh, as Charlotte has gone through this rebuild, what what have been some of the challenges? to kind of a lot of people call it kind of growing from the middle but what what have been some of the challenges for Charlotte in turning into this into this playoff team that they've become
1: Well the challenge when you don't try to build by bottoming out and you know getting that that superstar draft pick or trying to at least is always going to be uh, you know looking to free agency when you're a small market team, it's always difficult uh, to to even get an audience with certain players, and so you have to be realistic about your expectations and find opportunities. The Hornets tried to do that with Gordon Hayward, uh, almost acquired Gordon Hayward before Utah matched, and, and then eventually went after Lance Stevenson, and, and just trying to figure out sort of measured risks. Where you know that's what Lance Stevenson was. That was a it was a risk, and and it didn't work out for the Hornets. But it was a measured risk. If you look at the contract, it was a contract that was going to be easy to move if things didn't work out. So they 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 tried to make smart maneuvers. But I think the thing to understand about Charlotte's rebuild is that they went into this with a philosophy first, and then they've stuck to that philosophy and found players. That that match that philosophy. Now, what is that philosophy? Well, it all starts with the coach that they brought in, and Steve Clifford, who believes that uh, low turnovers, uh, great defensive rebounding, uh, getting to the free throw line, getting up three point shots, four out, one in. That's the kind of basketball that that wins in this league. And then they went out and found players that could execute that. And the kind of players they look for are, are consummate professionals. That's that's the word on Nick Batum, on Marvin Williams, on Kimball Walker, MKG. These are guys that get to practice every day, stay late, come early, et cetera, et cetera consummate professionals, also high basketball IQ. That's what they look for. They want smart basketball players. They want to have five players on the court at all times that know a, where to be and b where to put the basketball. So all five players need to have an ability to pass. And, and that's what Charlotte has finally acquired in, in this season. And now what do you, here's another challenge. What do you sacrifice when you go out and find those players? Well, the Hornets have done a great job at finding skill players but they've sacrificed athleticism and they've sacrificed physicality in terms of just raw natural physicality. They've sacrificed that. And I think you're finally starting to see some of those. Uh, chickens come home to roost, at least in the middle of this season. They're going to have to find uh, that effort if they want to improve. But but that's really it, Philip. I mean, they 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 got a philosophy together. They stuck with it. Rich Cho made incredibly smart trades. I mean, think about this. Nick Batum, as well as he's playing this year, he got the max contract in the offseason, traded to the Portland Trail Blazers for Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good turner. I mean, that's a really good uh, get for for those types of players. I mean, I know Magic fans probably overvalue Gerald Henderson because he has this this habit of torching the Magic every time he plays them. But uh, I mean, that's I mean, and it was it seemed like at the time a really good risk for for Charlotte to take, considering where they were. I mean, I I would imagine that summer. You know, the Hornets had made the playoffs the year before, had fallen out of the playoffs uh, the that, that that past season. That they're you know, that that offseason was there any wavering in 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 the plan and in the direction the team was going cuz it seemed like they were kind of starting and, and falling back, you know, taking a step forward and then taking another step back and not really taking moving forward like they have like they did last year and like like they seem to have this year.
1: Yeah, they suffered in that first season back as the Hornets. They suffered some pretty brutal injuries uh, to to mm-hmm. key players. And so I think everyone recognized that and then they also recognized that the Lance Stevenson experiment in Charlotte was not going to work. Unfortunately, Lance did everything, I think, that he was asked, but ultimately the the fit just wasn't there on the court. And so they recognized those factors and said full steam ahead. And you you bring up a good point, Philip, that they they do take risks, and that's a key. And I I think it's a smart maneuver for a small-to-mid-market team because – You're not going to have the audiences with the Kevin Durant's and the LaMarcus Aldridge's of the world. So you really do have to go out and do your research, do your homework. And general manager Rich Cho is great at this and go out and find the guys who maybe had a down year and find out why did they have that down year? was it because they are truly on a decline or was it because of situation and then take advantage of that this season that's happening with Marco Bellinelli who really struggled in his year in Sacramento i thought the ball went to him far too much in Sacramento they depended on him way too much for offense and then defensively it just it wasn't a focus in Sacramento and so i think when the focus when the team's focus isn't on defense marco tends to to lay up but he was a, a, a pretty good defensive player to average defensive player when he when he had his great years in San Antonio so the Hornets organization took a look at all those situations and said hey with with our coach Steve Clifford who is a defensive minded coach who gets guys to play above their their normal level defensively we could make Marco into you know we could get him back to the San Antonio years and, you know, he's out with a sprained ankle right now, probably won't play against the Magic. But so far this season, it's it's really worked out. And his numbers are are approaching uh, that first year in San Antonio when the Spurs went to the finals, and Marco was a huge piece of that. We've seen him uh, sort of reclaim his, his ability to hit tough shots and to be a factor in the fourth quarter. He plays uh, the entire fourth quarter. So, again, it's doing your homework, going out and finding those uh, low – Basically low buys and they might be a little risky, uh, but the organization believes in the coaching staff and they believe in the professionals that they already have on the team and Kimba Walker and Nick Batum and Marvin Williams to bring those guys in and 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 get them to coalesce around an idea, an underdog idea. So it's it's worked out for the most part. Uh, for the Hornets. And, and, and I think it's an admirable way to build it. At least it's honorable. I mean, when you look at it in comparison to, to what's going on in Philadelphia, it's at least an honorable uh, way in terms of how you treat your fan base uh, to build a franchise.
0: Sure. And and like I mean, I I know mean, and and I'm close to the magic. I mean, they've struggled to take that next step and, and get over the hump, but they've at least made progress each year of, of this rebuild. You know, for better or for worse. I know a lot there are, there's at least a portion of the Magic fan base that wishes that the Magic had maybe tanked another year to try and get that star on the draft. But the Magic said, you know, we've got this young core that we built and we're going to keep getting better and hopefully this will be the year to, to make the playoffs. I think where the magic went wrong is perhaps in saying, this is the year we're going to make the playoffs rather than kind of seeing how it goes naturally. But what I like about
1: Philip, can I, can I ask you something? Because this is what I've always seen out of the magic. And I've, I've criticized the magic for this in comparison to what the the Hornets have done. Steve Clifford, really, he loves Mm -hmm. veterans and and that's why probably they've worked free agency more and trades more so than the draft, because uh, Steve Clifford just believes, again, in bringing that high basketball IQ and veterans, and that you can't. It's tough to succeed with a young core with young players if they're not surrounded by veteran talent. That's one thing I've criticized the Magic for. I, I thought that they went to the draft over and over again, and they they had four. Uh, you you know, young players at all times that would probably be amazing on the Spurs or the Thunder or, or the Cavs as a fourth or fifth guy. Um, And they could have, they could have, you know, grown into a star, but it's so tough when, when it's all young guys, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, no, I, Definitely, I definitely think that was something that was missing. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I said this at at, at some point during last season before I had a podcast to to, to have a visual. <laughs> you're, uh, you're audio sitting, you were just sitting. You just
1: you were just sitting in your room, just talking ta- to your I was computer. Talking,
0: yeah, I was talking <laughs> to my computer. I was talking to friends. I was, you know, probably putting it on Twitter. But I really did feel like last year the Magic missed having a veteran in the starting lineup more than anything. They it, it felt like, especially late in games, they didn't really know what to do or how to finish games, and they didn't have that guy to to, to to kind of lead the way on the court. And, you know, they went out and signed a veteran in, like, Chaining Fry. They had some veterans last year that, you know, just were – you know, they, it's not that they were bad. It's not that they were not helpful. I mean, I think – I'm sure they helped behind the scenes. But they were all just kind of quiet. And I think more than anything what the Magic lacked was kind of veteran leadership. It was – you know, there's been so many games in the last four years where the Magic – Kind of lost it late in the game, and it was, uh, or they lost games that they really shouldn't be losing, considering their talent level and especially their record. I mean, you look at you look at their January last year when they they went two and twelve in January, and that's essentially when they fell out of the playoff race. There was no one in that locker room, it seemed, who could just get get the team together and just kind of shout them all out and say, we gotta we've got to fix this. This isn't on the coaches. It isn't on anyone else we've got to fix this. It's about us. And no one seemed to take control of the team. And, you know, if I'm encouraged by anything, and then this is probably something that something that you're a little familiar with, I, I think Bismack Biombo and Serge Ibaka seem to be doing that. I mean, before Friday's game against the Lakers, the magic had given up at least a hundred points in every single game since December 2nd or December 4th, rather. So the magic had really struggled defensively which is not something anyone expected from a team that has Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biyombo on the team and even Aaron Gordon out on the perimeter and they essentially said before the before the game in the huddle after starting lineups get into your man we've got the rim they went out and blocked nine shots in the first quarter set the tone and the magic you know destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers 109 to 90 so they got they held that team under 100. They went out and did it again Monday against Memphis with not not the nine blocks in the first quarter thing, but played some really good defense against a good Memphis Grizzlies team and won that game running away. Essentially, they they led by 29 in that game and it was pretty much over after you know midway through the second quarter. So I, I do agree. I think when you when you're building a young team and this is probably a mistake Philadelphia has made for for establishing their culture a little bit. When when you're building a young team, you need veteran voices to keep players on the right track. You need veteran voices to kind of grab the team by by the throat and or by the shirt, shirt collar, perhaps um, might be the better uh, analogy to use, and kind of carry them and show them the way both off the court and on the court. And so I do think that is a really important part of any team's development, now, especially for for young players to just kind of learn, oh, this is how you do things. And even on top of that, I think a coach reinforces that, and I think that's something the magic of really we're really missing before hiring Frank Vogel.
1: Well, you know, Coach Clifford said after this loss to the uh, to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Adi Joseph, a friend of the, friend of our show, uh, writes for Sporting News, asked him about you know which players are, are going to step up and 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 lead this team and fix this this situation, and Clifford basically said to be determined, and so I think it says that it's not only it's not good enough just to have veterans on your team, someone has to have a little extra fire in their belly. And this team, again, full of professionals. They're very media savvy. They, they, don't, they don't share a lot in the media. They don't message a lot that way, so we don't know exactly what's going on you know, behind the curtain. But there is a little bit of a, a lack of emotionality with this Charlotte Hornets team. And you wonder, they went out and found... Guys that were a little low key. Now, whether that was on purpose or not, that's that's just who they are, and um, you just wonder if if that's you know guy after guy bringing that that kind of player in, if that's starting to have an effect on the team's ability to to basically get up every night. That's that's been the issue. You know, game these a game against Brooklyn in Brooklyn at the end of December. That's that's a team that good, you know, really good teams can, can just get up for and, and win, especially, you know, when you don't have a superstar, that's the thing. Like the Hornets and the magic too, don't have that superstar, like LeBron James, who can just say, all right, I'm going to put the team on my back tonight. I know everybody else doesn't have it. Let me get us there. You know, the the Hornets don't have that player. And so it's gotta be uh, a few guys, you know, rallying the team and it's just not happening right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting point too. Although after watching that, that Kemba Walker all-star video, uh, I, I'm not hundred percent sure that that isn't completely true.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Spencer if, Hawes if, is a superstar in, is. in singing uh, theme songs. You're right. He's definitely a superstar. If,
0: if, if to, to, to the magic fans, if you have not seen Kemble Walker, Charlotte Hornet Ranger, go YouTube it right now. It is, it is some fine all-star marketing, uh, uh, all-star it's all-star marketing at its finest.
1: I just can't, um, I just, just, just I just it. imagine like anyone born, you know, in the nine, in the mid nineties, looking at that, and being like, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> like it's such a, it's such a niche play, but that's part of what makes it so awesome <laughs> is that they just yes. they oh, took the amazing. risk and just went there.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it really, it really, it, it's, it's, the, it's one of the finest pieces of all-star marketing I've, I've ever seen. Um, I, I mean, I think probably the best since Chris Bosch's used car salesman pitch when he was with Toronto. No,
1: so good. Yeah, no, the Hornets marketing team is uh, very bueno when it comes to this. They did the, uh, the big Al Jefferson, uh, paint yeah. can promotion. They did the MKG when they were trying to get defensive player of the year, uh, his security, they made a whole website for it. I mean, they kind of go above and beyond. It's, it's a fun thing.
0: Yeah, and you gotta—I mean—you gotta have a little bit of fun with this because uh, Kemba's had a had a great season. I think I think he'll be an all-star this year. Uh, really, no doubt uh, in my mind that that he'll be an all-star and, and maybe push to to start, perhaps if if he can get some popularity going there. Um, I mean, I think so. You know, you said Charlotte has some of those those that, that leadership consistency issue. It's a long season. There's going to be ups and downs. You know, generally, uh, I. I don't think I'm too worried about Charlotte. I kind of, you know, with, with the Memphis win, I've kind of said, you know, they're the Magic played really, really well. But at the same time, day after Christmas games are always kind of like the first game of the season. Who knows what's going to happen uh, almost. Uh, but what what is Charlotte's outlook looking like as we head toward the midpoint of the season and begin to get really more serious about where teams are lining up in the playoff race?
1: Well, it's interesting. The Hornets are tracking eerily close uh, to their progress last season. They were they were fourteen and ten um, at one point last season, fourteen and ten this season, and then now seventeen and thirteen. Say, same kind of deal, and, and generally the same time frame. And uh, last season, when they were seventeen and thirteen, they dropped uh, six straight games. So hopefully the Hornets uh, don't do that. And their schedule, when you look at it, they've got Orlando coming up, then Miami, the uh, Cleveland visits Charlotte, then Chicago, Oklahoma City, Detroit, San Antonio. So a couple of tough games, a couple of games that they could win. So, you know, they they should, uh, by the middle of January, be tracking ahead of, of their uh, pace last season when they won 48 games. So that's good, but hold on because they they reeled off six or seven straight wins in february and then in march they had five or six straight wins and so they they had a great back half of their schedule and and the schedule last season really helped them to that effect and it helps them at this season in terms of dates like they don't they don't have another you know 33 game 33 days without two days rest or anything like that but they do have a a 7 game road trip in uh end of february going into march and they have several uh tough games to really end the season so the schedule not going to be as kind that's why they really need to pick up these wins now before they get into the all-star break you know i said 42 43 wins at the beginning of the season i, I haven't seen anything lately to, to bump me off of that. And that might not be good enough in this competitive Eastern Conference if a few teams make a run. That might not be good enough uh, to get to the playoffs. So uh, the Hornets have to pick things up for sure
0: that's uh that's you know frankly a little little surprising to me i mean i i, I know charlotte's had some struggles but uh, i'm still fairly confident what they can do i mean magic fans know steve clifford you know a lot of that staff came from the 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 magic's uh, title run uh you know we uh, i we all have the utmost respect for for him and, and the job that he's done and, and obviously he's brought a lot of that same defensive mentality to to charlotte and the hornets that that he helped foster with stan van gundy here in orlando um what are, you, what are you looking forward to in, in Wednesday's game? What, what, what do you, you want to see or, or what, what, what should Magic fans be on the lookout for when it comes to the Hornets?
1: Well, I, I want to see a bounce-back game. I mean, especially yeah, from – <laughs> Yeah, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, f- physical inside. Especially with uh, uh, Vucevic and uh, Abaka. they were able to do a great job on Abaka in in their last game. So love to see that continue because I know what uh, how big a factor Abaka has been to the to the Orlando Magic offense. And uh, you know, here's what I'm here's what I'd like to ask about the the Orlando Magic though, because I, I think your the rotations are are so interesting because. You, I, I assume that DJ Augustine is still is still starting, but his minutes are starting to fade back in favor of Alfred Payton. And then you have Vucevic, who's averaging twenty seven point eight minutes per game, but he's coming off the bench. Uh, Aaron Gordon, only averaging who starts is only averaging twenty six minutes. Are they ju- is Vogel just getting ready to transform the rotations? What's what's going on there with the minutes? Not sure. Not sure. You know what what is a bench and what is a, a, a starting unit there.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's that's actually a question probably a lot of Magic fans have. Um, I think generally the way Vogels approached his his rotation is he has he's trying to find combinations that work more than maybe necessarily having a starter bench rule. Uh, the, the reason they moved DJ Augustin and Bismack Biombo into the starting lineup was to create better balance between the two lineups. Like I think there was a, a push to. Bring Biombo into the starting lineup to to bolster the defense, but you don't want to have Alfred Payton, Aaron Gordon, and Bismack Biombo in the same starting lineup because now you have three non shooters out there, and and it's going to congest the paint. And so the idea was let's have Payton playing more with Vucevic and Ibaka rather than playing with Biombo and Gordon, uh, and try and create create space and opportunity and it's had its ups and downs and the magic have been probably about 500 since they made the lineup change, but it's worked out pretty well. Overall, Peyton's played some extraordinary basketball. I mean, he's, he's just coming off a game where he had 16 points and seven assists. He had a 25.9 assist night on Friday against the Lakers. Uh, Gordon's beginning to find his rhythm as a three. It's been a big adjustment for him to play on the perimeter a little bit more. Uh, he'll still have games where he disappears and doesn't do very much, and then you'll have games where he looks really, really good and, and is able to get a shot going, especially when he gets into a rhythm. He can he can be really dangerous out on the perimeter like he was uh, last night against Memphis. Um, he had 30 against the Grizzlies, uh, including 15 in the third quarter. Uh, but it's really about finding good lineup balance, and I think where those minutes – kind of tail off or where they kind of deviate more dramatically is who he decides to play in crunch time. Like essentially Vucevic and Biombo play about the average, about the same number of minutes. In fact, Vucevic I think is averaging Vucevic and Peyton are averaging about the same number of minutes that they were as starters coming off the bench. Uh, So it's really just about, okay, who's got it tonight. Who's the hot hand? What combination Mm -hmm. is working against this team? Those are the guys that will get those extra five, six minutes at the end of the game to, to go out and win it. And And, and it's just been a different guy every night.
1: And that's such an interesting contrast with Charlotte where, where, Steve Clifford believes in putting your best five guys out there in the starting unit. He likes to uh, open with defense and close with offense. So you'll see probably a, a slightly altered fourth quarter lineup. Maybe without Marco, they may go to Lamb for some extra offense in the fourth quarter. Uh, but in terms of his rotations, they play pretty solid because he's he he loves to work in December and January to really solidify what will be his uh, late in the season into the playoffs rotation so you don't see much much deviation despite the issues that they have going on I just don't expect him to make any significant changes to this lineup especially because things are happening late they're not happening uh, at the beginning of the game the hornets are doing a great job starting the game they are uh, struggling with uh, three point opportunities for the opposition allowing a lot of three pointers And not closing out hard enough, so uh, I don't know what uh, Evan Fournier's status. I know he had a little bit of injury issue the past couple of games, couple of days. So, but you know, he's always a threat from the three-point line. Uh, Serge Ibaka making sure that whether it's Frank Kaminsky or Marvin Williams, that they are not overhelping and making sure that they get back to close out or someone rotates over uh, to defend him from the three-point line. And you know, because I, I feel like that if they can do that, they've been protecting the paint well enough that if they can just limit a few of these three-pointers, I mean, they allowed uh, Brooklyn to to knock down 15 of them. On 15 of 31, I believe, was the final tally there. So that's just, that's unacceptable. You can't let teams, th- teams do that to you. So uh, hopefully the Hornets get that. They've been great at bounce, bouncing back. They just haven't been great at maintaining that fire. So uh, unfortunately for magic fans, they, <laughs> they may be in for one of those token Hornets oh, don't, bounce don't back worry. games. When I,
0: when I, when I saw the Hornets lost on a buzzer beater to the nets, I was like, Oh, they're going to come in. They're going to come in ready to play. They're not going to be, they're not going to be happy coming to coming to Orlando to play this game. And, and the Hornets, the Hornets obviously did a number on Orlando a few weeks ago, not too long ago. It feels like forever ago. Cause the magic seemed to change their identity and change uh, how they're playing every couple of games or so. So, you know, I, I go into every Magic game not knowing what to expect. To be honest, like he said, like he said, uh, the Hornets may be struggling, giving up three pointers this year. I don't know if the Magic are going to be a good three point shooting team night to night. They shot well Monday, you know, but how often is Aaron Gordon going to make four or four from beyond the arc? You know, how often is I, I think Alfred Payton's made four of his last five three pointers in games? How often is that going to happen? So. I I think the strategy with the magic is to take your chances with the three point line, you know, guard Fournier, guard uh, Ibaka, but with everyone else kind of take your chances and and see if they can beat you that way. And so, you know, maybe that's a strategy that plays into Charlotte's hands a little bit. uh, Here's the final,
1: here's the final thing I'm looking for, Philip. So we're, we're 31 games into this, and this is part of the reason why maybe I am a little reticent to, to update my summer projections from 42 to 43 wins. Because we're 30-plus games into the season now, and the Hornets have played – first of all, they haven't beaten a great team. They haven't beaten Cleveland, Toronto, the Celtics. All teams that are hovering around them for those top four seeds haven't beaten one of those teams. But they have also yet to acquire a wire-to-wire victory. 48 minutes of great basketball. They've yet to do that, and they've played teams – that they should have been able to accomplish that against. So I know that's a a huge thing to ask for. Like, hey, I want you to play. I want you to wire to wire victory. Don't let them have the lead at all. But I think that's what this team needs. They need to prove that. And then they need to prove they can beat, you know, one of those top tier teams. But before you do that, you got to put away a team that you're supposed to put away. And so that's what the Hornets will be charged with uh, on Wednesday.
0: Yeah. And now, and that, and I think Wednesday will be uh, an incredibly interesting game for that reason. Uh, the Hornets obviously, you know, probably have a, a talent advantage, probably have, uh, certainly an experience advantage over a magic team that's gone up and down, but seems to be finding its way should be an exciting game over at the Amway center on Wednesday, uh, Doug, I want to I want to thank you for joining uh, Locked On Magic. Uh, it, you know, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and talking a little bit about the Hornets with us. Uh, definitely a very interesting team and, and a team that uh, you know the way they've approached things. I think is is definitely a model for how to how to rebuild and and you know get into into co- contention at least for the playoffs and and uh, and with some opportunity to to continue advancing. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch the Hornets. You know, I, I'm always. I've always been very intrigued with with how they've built and, and the work that they've done uh, in the last four or five years
1: yes this was very insightful a great way to do a crossover podcast here on the locked on podcast network and Philip just do me one favor just just take care of Bismack biombo okay just love him oh, of course. love him like I loved him and and just tell him <laughs> tell him that I said hello that's all I just tell him I said hey Okay.
0: Uh- I, I, I will do that when I head, when I head down to practice today.
1: <laughs> Don't do that. He has no idea who I am, Philip. You'll get fired. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. Good talking to you, buddy.
0: Good talking to you, Doug. Thanks. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine.